Ladies and gentlemen, this show is brought to you exclusively by the Reality Check Podcast Network. This is Stan Wangland, and I'm your co-host for your favorite paranormal show called The People Under the Stairs, and it's wonderful being here with you this evening, uh, you know, having you join the show and listen to what Paul and I have to offer, and right now, I want to introduce my co-host, Paul James Caden. So, Paul, are you there? I'm here, man. I'm spooky. I'm scared. I'm ready for the show. Hey, I'm glad that, I'm glad that it's spooky and you're scared and everything else like that. Uh, you know, on our last show that we had, I got a chance to speak to uh, Brian Bowden and uh, he was I was asking him about that uh, episode uh, of the Augusta uh, poltergeist that we did. And he was telling me that was Sasquatch messaging me about the werewolves jumping up. <laughs> so that was some pretty scary stuff, man. Uh, there you go. So you folks will have to, you know, you know, check out some of our old shows and, and some new things. But tonight's um, episode, I think, should be a lot of fun because we're going to be doing a lot of shout outs. Uh, you'll have to recognize your name and your last initial because we've had a lot of mail coming into the show uh, with people who have all kinds of comments, um, you know, about the show, uh, you know, about uh, Paul and I, uh, about our chicanery. Uh, some people have asked about Cat Ward or some of the other guests. Um, it, it's been um, a nice bunch of feedback. And there's been a lot of stuff um, that's come in, uh, questions or people with stories. <clears throat> I don't know whether you mentioned it on one of your other shows, Paul, or we did on this one. But uh, I think you you have uh, you got a, a, a dozen or so responses. And I, I think I got nine or ten uh, people who wrote in with stories, uh, you, you know, their scariest Halloween thing, 
mm-hmm. or whatever. And I also had uh, a person now, folks, I cannot give out emails or last names. So, um, you know, it's like um, I, I do have some dear folks like Paul does who follow him from show to show. And uh, we can only put your first name and last initial for privacy reasons. So, you know, particularly the way that the Internet is. We don't want anything to, uh, you know, jeopardize your safety or have somebody harass you uh, with things. But uh, we did have um, somebody, I think it's probably somebody who listened to your show, Paul, uh, and he got contacted me the other day, uh, Michael H. from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which is only a few hours from us, Paul. And he had a question about extreme haunting. And then I noticed that the, you had done a show on that. And uh, man, I'm going to toss that one to you. Uh, Michael's question was, have you ever heard of extreme haunting? And, and, and what do you guys think of it? You know, uh, I... I've heard a little bit about it, but you're the expert on that one. What what the heck is extreme haunting, and and what's some crazy examples of it, buddy? Well, it's certainly not anything that I would do. Uh, I just actually did do a show about it. It came out on um, Monday, I believe it was, on the Spirit Side, mm-hmm. and uh, basically extreme haunting. I mean, we've we've all gone to those haunted houses at Halloween time, where mm-hmm. people jump at us with masks and chase us with the the fake, uh, the phony chainsaw and all that, you know, you just go and you have fun, you know, nobody gets hurt. Nobody touches you, but extreme haunting is basically for, uh, the adrenaline junkies or people that really want to get scared. And in these particular, you know, anything that's a, like that, a haunted house, they call it a haunt. You mm-hmm. know, so if you, if you go to the local firehouse and you, they got the people in the mask it's called a haunt. Well, these are extreme haunts. Mm-hmm. And these people, they will touch you. And they've done things like bury people alive for, you know, X amount of minutes, uh, submerge them in water and give them like a drowning ex- experience, mm-hmm. hold them or against their will for like 30 seconds, uh, mm-hmm. wrap, put plastic wrap around their faces. You know, uh, some of them actually, they've, uh, a few people come out and jump somebody and, kind of beat on them with batons and clubs and you know, kind of, you know, give them a beating, you know, they'll, they'll strap people down and put leeches on their body. There, there's all kind of bizarre things that they do in extreme hauntings. And, and a lot of them, you actually have to sign a waiver that, mm. you know, you're not going to sue anybody because it is very possible that you could experience, you know, cuts, bruises, st- sprains, even broken bones. You know, you could actually get hurt. Uh, going mm. through these extreme points because they're they're very physical. Sounds and like a bondage and discipline session. <laughs> yeah, there's there's one uh, that I talked about on my show. It's called McCamey Manor, I believe it's called. It's in Summertown, Tennessee. And before you go through this thing, you have to sign a 45-page waiver. You have to pass a physical from your doctor, a psychological psychological exam from you know a, a psychologist. And bring a note verifying that you're physically and healthy enough, uh, you know, mentally to go through this haunt. So they do some really, uh, really crazy things. And the one, if you want to look it up in uh, Summertown, Tennessee, is called McCamey Manor. No mm-hmm. one has ever, no one has ever made it through to the end. 
And the challenge is if you can make it to the end, the guy who sets it up will give you $20,000. But now here's the, here's the rub. There's a lot of physical abuse and the entire tour takes eight hours. Wow. Eight hours of getting the crap beat out of you. <laughs> and you get $20,000. Wow. And that's on, that's a legitimate thing. You check that out. It's a legitimate thing. Look up uh, uh, McCamey Manor, uh, Summertown, Tennessee. Uh, there's videos on on YouTube. They're in a documentary called Hunters, which you can watch on uh, on Amazon. And they're also in. There's a series on Netflix called Dark Tours. I think it is. And this place is mentioned. I, I believe it was uh, episode eight. Wow, that's far out, man. Yeah. Here, wait a second. Hey, honey, I've got a ticket for you for McCraney. It's, it's kind of a nice getaway for you. <laughs> <laughs> you say they beat the crap out of you? I've got you. That, that, that's, uh, that's, I would say that's an extreme haunt, to say the least. That, that's a pretty fascinating. What things? Well, Paul, you, you know, uh, Anything else on on extreme haunts that uh, that you'd want to to uh, you know to to kind of fill us in for Michael's uh, question? Anything well, that that's missing? Pretty- I, I, I want to take the whole show up on it, but uh, that that was a pretty you know great answer on it. Anything else that he might want to know about? No, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, most of them you'll sign a waiver; they're not going to pay you to go through. Uh, a lot of them you have a safe word if, if you want to quit. You know, you mm-hmm. say you're safe and they'll exit you out. But, you know, that's uh, that's pretty much the thing. If you want to be buried alive, uh, simulated, drowned, uh, leeches put on your body, beat up, plastic wrap put around your face, made to eat rotten food, rotten eggs, worms. Uh, they'll put insects on your face, spiders or those great big uh, cockroach looking things that we see in horror movies and they'll crawl on your face and even in your mouth. It's kind of uh, like so, the fear factor. Yeah. So there's, you know, the the thing for me, like I said in my show about it, I don't, I don't really see uh, the connection with that for Halloween. You know, you know, for yeah. me, it's ghosts and goblins and all that. I mean, I, I don't see where uh, you're calling it a haunt. You know, when there's just a bunch of people jumping plastic wrap around your face and beating the crap out of you and it really is more like uh it really is more like a bdsm kind of thing to make the way that it sounds like somebody who's into pain and frightening kinds of and i'm being serious for a second then it, you know that they, they're using the excuse of the of the haunt you know uh to to maybe get, you know, wrap you know to get around it or to make it um, a little more palatable to uh, other people but uh whatever uh, yeah. Is, is, are these extreme haunts open all year long or is this just around uh, the uh, Halloween time? I, I think they're just around Halloween time. I think after Halloween, they close down. It's it's not something that's year round, at least not that I know of. Uh, wow. There's a lot of there's a lot of movies out there now that uh, portray people going to the extreme haunts and getting killed or kidnapped and abducted. Uh, yeah, I have I have looked into that to see if that actually happened to somebody in a real extreme one, but mm-hmm. I'm sure some, something probably did go awry because mm-hmm. you don't you don't know these people and you're going to let them like physically uh, attack you and abuse you in that way. Who who knows who they are? 
Mm -hmm. what they're capable of, where they, where they come from, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's boy, that was a good, uh, Michael, thank you for that question uh, about extreme haunts. Uh, You know, uh, you had down extreme haunting, but it is extreme haunts. And I hope that uh, Paul has answered your question on that. Uh, You know, and uh, that was a good show. I heard part of that on Monday, Paul. And uh, that was uh, very interesting. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, uh, one of the things that uh, I enjoy doing on my show, just thinking, and I haven't done it in a long time, which I think based on this show, I'm going to do on my show as well. Uh, a mailbag is, uh, is a lot of fun. Uh, and, uh, you know, we do get comments from people. Some shows draw, you know, different kinds of comments, uh, you know, um, on this show, uh, we only receive uh, positive comments. I've never received any. I haven't received any negative comments. I don't think Paul has. Uh, people basically, you know, want to tell their stories or, you know, they might want to be a guest on the show or they recommend guests or they hear our guests and want further information about them. But we had, um, uh, you know, had made some comments about, you know, send in your scary stories a few weeks ago when we were, uh, had uh, Steve Stockton, I think, on the show. And people started sending in some scary stories for Halloween coming up. And uh, like I said, I got about nine or 10 of them in the can. And uh, Paul has probably doubled that amount. Uh, but we we picked out a few uh, from from each of us that, uh, you know, we were going to give you a synopsis of what, what people said had happened to them around Halloween time. So, Paul, why don't you kick it off? And, and, and what what's a good one that, is, you know, somebody sent to you for Halloween? A tr- with something which they say is a true scary story. Well, I got a humdinger for you guys. Uh, this one comes from Jill H in Taos, New Mexico. Wow. Uh, this one is, uh, yeah, this, this one is really, uh, really strange. Jill claims that she lives in Taos, New Mexico, and every morning she gets up before she goes to work. And uh, she probably gets up about, you know, 3.34 in the morning. She goes for like a two, three-hour run. And generally, it's still dark when she goes out. And she's saying that, that one uh, one year, this is probably about five years ago, she, uh, she got up to go for her run in the morning. It was actually Halloween morning. And she ran, you know, kind of through her neighborhood and then kind of out of town. There was like a, a little back road, we would call it, not a lot of houses. Uh, very sparse and there was like a little graveyard on the side of the road that she would pass just a little one like you would like you would picture like in a movie in mexico or new mexico you know the the little graveyard just maybe you know 10 feet by 10 feet you know very Mm -hmm. small and this particular morning she says she's running down the road and she happened to you know glance toward uh the graveyard as she was going by and she thought she saw someone laying there you know like there were you know, on the ground unconscious. So she went to take a closer look, closer look. And sure enough, there was somebody laying there on the ground and, you know, she went over to check on them and she says that, uh, you know, she shook them, you know, are you okay? Or, you know, you know, you need to call 911. And she said this person uh, rolled over and, you know, jumped up and attacked her. Hmm. And this is what, this is what Jill H says. She says, the person looked like their face was decomposing. There was a very bad smell that smelled like sour eggs and vomit. 
emanating from the individual. He was snapping at her face and clawing at her like something you would see out of a zombie movie. Huh. And he, he ended up, uh, he did end up uh, giving her a little bit of a bite on her shoulder. Nothing serious, but she managed to, you know, struggle, get away, go home. She called the, the police. They, you know, they went, they investigated. They didn't find anything or anybody. But the bite was on her left shoulder. And she says, Jill claims that she got a very bad infection in her left arm. And she actually had to have it partially uh, amputated. And she said she was she was very sick for weeks, you know, throwing up, disoriented, dizzy. And she says, you know, as far as she's concerned, that the things we see on TV about living dead zombie viruses to her, she swears that that it's real. This this thing was not alive. It made her very sick. She ended up having, you know, uh, again, you know, her, her arm, you know, amputated. And she says that if anybody ever wanted to check into her story, she could supply them with police reports and medical records for everything that she has claimed. So that is a very strange story for Halloween. Yeah, I, I would think so. I, I, I would think so. That's a that's a very interesting one. Isn't this great? I mean, you get you get people to write these stories in. Um, and by the way, it's, uh, for the people listening uh, out there, uh, if people would like to send in um, uh, their scary story, uh, it doesn't have to be for Halloween at this point because Halloween will be come and gone. If you'll send in a story to us, we will pick the best story, give you a shout out on the show, contact you. And what do you say, Paul? Should we give that person a $50 gift certificate? Yeah, they want to write in if they have a, a winning story that gets told on the show. Well, uh, we'll give them a gift certificate. Yeah, you get one fifty dollars gift certificate from the show. You can, you know, it, it would just be one of those things. You get at the store, we'll get your address from you and everything else like that. You know, uh, we'll give you a shout out on the show. Uh, you know, possibly uh, we can see if we can even arrange to have you, you know, say hi on the air on the show and. Um, you know, get your $50 gift certificate, but that you will definitely get. And we'll tell your story on the air. So if you want to send it in to me, you can send it in to Stan Wangland. That's S-W-A-N-G-L-U-N-D at Gmail. Or Paul, what's your uh, email address they can send it to? You can uh, send it to me at nocturnalmagic at gmail.com. That's just like a nocturnal animal, magic with a C, all one word, nocturnalmagic at gmail.com. Yeah, and if we get a reasonable amount, we could have a winner in what in a couple of weeks, I would say, easily. Yeah. Easily. Well, you know, uh, are you ready for, for one of mine uh, here? And I'm going to, I had three or four stories. I, I have a synopsis of them uh, here because, uh, man, oh, man, uh, people get very elaborate with the stories <laughs> and they write these things. So you'll have to forgive me. I'm trying to, uh, and I, I think you did a good job with your synopsis too. This one has to do with smells too, Paul. And this is from, uh, I don't know whether this is a man or a woman. Uh, I, because it says Rudy and it was R U D I. And so I'm assuming it was, um, uh, a female, but who knows? 
but this is Rudy Kay, and Rudy is from Portland, Oregon. Uh, and Rudy is now, let me see my note here, is is now is living in the United Kingdom. Because we do have, you know, we're seeing, we're listened to uh, probably in 89 different countries at last count. But uh, Rudy Kay from Portland, Oregon, now uh, in the UK, I think, from what he said in the, in the email. But this is one with Rudy and uh, their grandmother. I'll just say her grandmother. And Rudy said that uh, she was very close to her grandmother. And her grandmother, uh, you know, felt that she was the favorite uh, of, of all the grandkids and things like that. And she passed away on Halloween, like Harry Houdini. And one of the things that Rudy always remembered about her grandmother is that uh, they used to carve pumpkins, they used to give candy out, uh, and all those kinds of things. And she was so sweet, uh, you know, to, to Rudy growing up, that every year when they would go about doing this, when she became a teenager or a younger person, you know, an adult, I, I don't know, she didn't say the age on it, but she was obviously, you know, older. Her grandmother loved dusting powder. You know what that is. You know, you get out of the bath and the old woman put that dusting powder on. Mm. And he particularly liked the dusting powder, Jean Nate. You know? Uh, and uh, I don't even know if they still have that stuff around. You've heard of Jean Nate, haven't you, Paul? Oh, sure. Yeah, the Jean Nate dusting powder. And I think there's some kind of like, uh, you know, bath water or some shit that they use with that kind of stuff. But her grandmother <laughs> liked that stuff anyway. And she always remembers getting it for her for Halloween and for her birthday and stuff like that. And, you know, she always had that old lady smell about her that she loved. You know, she just loved, uh, she didn't love the Jean Nate so much, but, you know, it just smelled like her grandmother. Uh, well, the years went by, uh, according to Rudy, and her grandmother passed away. And, uh, you know, they, of course, they didn't go anymore to give out any candy or carve some pumpkins. But uh, I guess she must have been married, of course, to her grandfather. And, um, you know, Rudy didn't seem to spend much time with her grandfather on Halloween. But uh, she went back to her grandmother's home several years after the death of her uh, grandmother and um, it was Halloween and her grandfather, uh, I'm reading the thing that she says here, grandpa was filling up the candy bowl and uh, she was there. And I guess some other people were in the room and all of a sudden there was this overpowering smell of Jean Nate. And it was so overpowering that everybody noticed it, uh, you know, her grandfather, the other people there. And she says, even the dog, even the dog noticed the smell. And it was the grandfather who said, grandma's here watching. She's saying hi to you. And that's the story. And she said that was the scariest thing. That I, she was a, it was a good thing, but it also scared the bejesus out of her. That her yes. grandmother had been dead for years, and here they are doing what she used to love to do with her grandmother and filling the candy bowl. And then all of a sudden, this overwhelming smell of Jean Nate out of nowhere. What's the likelihood of that happening? Yeah, and, and even those uh, positive experiences like that can be very unnerving when they you don't expect them and they just happen. It, it really does kind of throw you for a minute, like, 
did that actually happen? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, would that freak you out if something happened like that? Well, I don't have a sense of smell, so the ghost would be barking up the wrong tree. But <laughs> evidently, the dog smelled. You know, it was very interesting touch that she had. That she said the dog smelled it as well. But I'll I'll, t- I'll tell you a, a, a three second funny story. Sure. I used to live. I used to live with my grandmother back in the eighties, mm-hmm. and when she ended up passing away, um, and one night, you know, after she had passed away, you know, I was thirsty. I came downstairs to, to get a drink and her bedroom was right off, right in, off the kitchen mm-hmm. and the bedroom, door, the bedroom door was closed. And suddenly the bedroom door starts shaking mm-hmm. and I'm like, hell, you know, and it's just like a ghost story, a true story that, that, that opens slowly, slowly with a creak. And I'm expecting, you know, what the hell is it? You know, it's my grandmother. It's my grandmother. I love my grandmother. She would never hurt a fly. She would never hurt me. So right. why do I I go next to the stove and I get the broom and hold it like a baseball bat ready to clock granny as she comes to that room. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was actually the cat was in there and the cat opened the door and came out. But, you know, could have been grandma stopping by to say hi and I'm ready to like knock her block off with the broom handle. <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> that, see, that's, that's a good story. There's some funny ones there too, boy. Well, we've got the genes taste story, and then you've got the other one, the smell of uh, other things. What's another one that was sent into you there, buddy? I, I'm liking these stories. These are good. Yeah, you you know me. I, I go for the extreme, you know, and I on sure. my show, I talk a lot about the ghosts and the cryptids and uh, things bizarre sometimes. So uh, folks write in and uh, tell some good stories. And this one comes from Brian M. from Baltimore, Maryland. So he's not that far away either. No. And he said that this happened to him uh, Halloween 1995. Oh, excuse me. I I misread that. That is 1998. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he said that he lived with his mother after his uh, father passed away. His mother wasn't disabled or bedridden or anything. I mean, she, you know, she could take care of herself. But, you know, he, he wanted to make sure she was okay. She was elderly. He moved in, you know took her shopping, took care of the house. And uh, this was also on Halloween night. And and Brian says he he would have no reason to think this was a prank or somebody pulling a prank on him because he didn't know anybody that celebrated Halloween because at the time he was a very dedicated Jehovah's Witness. So he didn't celebrate any of the holidays. But he said he came from home from work. It was Halloween night. Probably at a, he said it was around seven thirty, quarter to eight, and he got out of his car and in his neighborhood he said it was kind of you know he had neighbors but the houses were kind of well spaced out, and across the road from him there was a field you know there were no houses in it, just mm-hmm. a field a few sparse trees and right on right on the uh, the edge of the field was you know this very tall you know eerie uh, looking tree I guess. And uh, so it was his front yard, a road, and then the field. So he got out, got out of his car. He was, you know, proceeding to go in the house, and he happened to glance up. And uh, he did say it was, you know, a, a bright moon that night. He doesn't remember if it was a full moon, half moon, quarter moon, but he said it was it was kind of bright. And he happened to look up across the road, and, and he saw someone, like, standing up in the tree in the branches. And he's looking at this and he's, you know, thinking, you know, well, you know, 
who is it? What is it? You know, he, you know, he goes over to get a closer look, you know, he crosses the road. He's thinking maybe you know, somebody in the neighborhood is uh, trying to play a trick on him. Maybe, you know, cause you know, people busted on Jehovah's witnesses back in the mm-hmm. day than they do today, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he said he went across the road. He got close to the tree. He was looking up and he said he didn't see any features, but the closer he got, the more he just felt this very heavy feeling of foreboding, like don't get any closer, turn around, go back. He said this was like all the hair on his body just just stood up, but he thought he was being kind of paranoid. You know, he didn't believe in ghosts or anything like that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because of his faith. And he got a little bit closer and he said, whatever, whoever was in the tree. And he writes, they began began to snarl and snort like a rabid animal. And that he had never heard any sound like this emanate from a human being. And at that point, he said he he did turn. He ran across the road. He didn't see if who or whatever it was was in pursuit. He just ran into the house as fast as he could, shut the door, locked the door. He looked out of his front window and he said he didn't see anything. It only took him you know, 30 seconds to get across the road and and into his front door. But he said he looked out and, you know, no one was there. No one in the tree, no one near the tree. So, you know, he's no longer a Jehovah's witness. And, you know, he, he's someone who does believe in the afterlife and strange things that, that uh, can happen in our world. And, you know, he, he's fairly convinced that whatever he saw uh, was either some kind of cryptid, or something that was not humid or, or or human or at very least uh somebody who was a raving lunatic because he he said just the vibe he got from it was, was so evil so foreboding he said it was the scariest thing that ever happened to him in his life wow that that is certain that is certainly uh scary and uh to be sure I think I, I've got a very short one, uh, you know, that uh, is, I, I think, would be equally scary. Uh, and this is from um, a woman called Katie, uh, Katie H. from Batavia, New York. Uh, you know, near I, I think uh, she worked actually at the Batavia School for the Blind. But uh, she uh, and her husband moved to this area and she wanted to kind of, you know, Batavia is a, a really beautiful place, Batavia, New York. Uh, it's kind of a rural place. Uh, and um, one of the things that it has a lot of, um, you know, uh, farmhouses, it has a lot of uh, uh, very scenic uh, kinds of things. And uh, Katie and her husband and family, they were, you know, they were, like I said, looking for, you know, farmhouses to move into. And they found a farmhouse that she really liked and her husband really liked. It was perfect for the family. And uh, they, uh, you know, wanted to buy the house, but the um, people selling it or the realtor, whatever, said that the house had was had been haunted. They just wanted to be fair, you know, to be honest with her and said that the house had been haunted. And it wasn't really like the, the the haunting of the house was, you know, like necessarily evil, but it was definitely strange. Uh, and, and you know, she found out, and according to the story that she told, it tells me here is that the farmer's wife had committed suicide. Uh, I don't know whether she had, uh, they had a big, um, they had a big stair, stairway in the house. 
And I don't know whether she hung herself uh, from a rafter over the stairway because they're like these German style houses there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, with these big heavy beams or she fell down the stairs or jumped down the stairs and broke her neck, whatever. But the farmer's wife had committed suicide, you know, in the house. Uh, And uh, uh, the big central thing to this house, again, as Katie's talking about is there was this big staircase that led from the, you know, from the, the downstairs, obviously, into the upstairs. And uh, what she said was, uh, it started very shortly after they purchased the house that they would find that anyone in the house, not just uh, it, you know, like certain people, anyone, if you were alone, uh, you know, sometimes even with other people around, if you went to the third step on the stairwell, you know, you would feel a person uh, take their hand and place it on the small of your back and then push. And this was so common that, it, or this happened with so many people that, uh, you know, the push, it, it, it would literally, you know, you'd actually like take a push like off the stairs almost. And according to her, it was a very, very scary experience in the house and first started around Halloween time. And they had, you know, the first Halloween they were in the house there that uh, this really first started and uh, that many, many people, uh, she still lives in the house and have experienced this in the house. This push and hand, the lower part of your back, only when you're on the third step. Mm. So I, I I don't know about you, but uh, I thought that was pretty spooky. I could I, I could picture, you know, coming down if you, of course, probably the bedrooms are upstairs and coming down for a drink of uh, water or to go to the bathroom or to have a midnight snack. You know, maybe you stop on the third step. If you smoke, you're lighting a cigarette or you're scratching your behind or something. like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you feel a hand on the lower part of your back giving you a shove. Uh, not a not a good thing. Not something I would be very comfortable with. That would that would certainly get my attention. But um, yeah, that that would be the kind of house that you would have a uh, a pee bucket next to the bed if you had to go downstairs. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Avoid for me, it. That, that for, for me that that definitely uh, might work. You know, <laughs> so that there's one from Katie uh, in Batavia, New York, and uh, yeah, that. Uh, I think that's a good story. You have another one, Paul, for us? Yeah, I have one from Ryan K. in Montreal, Canada. That's wow. a cat ward, cat ward country. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan, um, he said he, he moved into a house on September 15th, 2001. And it's funny because Ryan entitles his story. No, nobody else has a title, but he does. He he calls it a uh, premonition of horror. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that title. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should send him a gift certificate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that he moved into this house, uh, him and his wife, September fifteenth, two thousand one, and. Uh, it, it was a two a two story, you know. It had a, a a semi-finished basement. The the uh the walls were not sheetrocked, they were they were still you know concrete and the the uh the, the floor was paved. 
but it didn't have any carpet. You know, you had to finish it yourself if you wanted to. But uh, he he had a little workshop down there, and you know, he he said he it was about two weeks after they got into the house. He started having like bad dreams, like dreams that he would go downstairs. And he said in the basement there was the you know the the concrete floor, and then there was another little room in the corner of the basement, which was like the utility room. It had like the fuse box and you know all of that stuff in there. And um, he said he would always have a dream that he he would go downstairs and there would be something near that utility room in the corner. And he would start to feel, you know, very uneasy, very scared. And, you know, then then he would wake up. He said shortly after this, him and his wife began hearing noises at night, like someone coming up the stairs, uh, someone banging on uh, the floor below them, which would be the the, the basement uh, ceiling. You know, all kind of uh, <clears throat> strange noises, you know, uh, downstairs. And it, it made him feel very uneasy. He kept having these dreams and he started to think, well, uh, am I making this happen? You know, why am I, mm-hmm. why am I so uneasy about the basement? I have a little workshop down there, but yet I never go down there and do anything. You know, I never do any woodworking or, you know, I, I don't go down to, to finish the basement, which was his plan. But he, he was just feeling, you know, like he never wanted to be down there. But one night he says, uh, and, and this was actually the night before Halloween. He said he went he went downstairs because he and his wife were thinking, you know, they were going to have a Halloween party. And he was thinking of setting something up in the basement since it was kind of, you know, spacious. So he got up his courage and he said, hey, you know, it's a good night to face my fear. Halloween, you know, let, let me go down there, prove to myself there's nothing. This is probably all in my head. But he said he went down and. The. uh utility room door was ajar and he said he he saw something move past the door that was darker than the shadows Mm. and at first at first he thought again it was his imagination because he had these just irrational fears about the basement from you know almost day one of moving in but then it was kind of like my story with uh, the cat and my grandmother. He said the door started to just quake a little bit, like something was shaking it. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, just all the dreams, all the fears came back to him, you know, and he just told, you know, as he writes, you know, at that moment, I knew this wasn't my imagination. Mm-hmm. Something was down there, you know, was it, was it beckoning to me in my dreams? Was it warning me to stay away? Was it telling me to leave its territory? was the house haunted and something or someone didn't want us there. Hmm. And at that moment, he, he said he, he turned and he just rushed, you know, up the stairs and he said something like a black shadow came out of the utility room door in pursuit of him. And just like your, uh, your story uh, on the third step, he said he behind and saw something like rushing behind him. And he ran as fast as he could up the stairs, sprinted, and whatever it was, it followed him about halfway up the stairs, and then it was just gone. So suffice it to say, he never went. Uh, he never went in the basement again. 
And within a month, he was uh, moved out because this was not uh, uh, something he wanted to do. He immediately put the, the house up for sale and he was gone. You know, he, he said they, they stayed in a motel room for two weeks before the next, uh, they rented an apartment and uh, it was available in two weeks and they stayed in a motel room for two weeks before they moved into their apartment. He didn't want to go back to the, the house at all. So very, very uh, Premonition. Yeah, that that that's pretty scary stuff. Uh, I I hope the fans uh, at home are enjoying these. This uh, people wrote some great things in. Uh, I have one more short one, and uh, you know I don't know about you, Paul. You know we're kind of running towards the end of time, but uh, I'll do this one as I. It may be short, but this may be the. Uh, I don't know if this is the best one that I have. This is a fellow called uh, uh, Rodney, uh, and I'll just say Rodney C., and he's from LaGrange, Georgia. And Rodney, uh, he says this was not exactly on Halloween, but it was, you know, during the the, the Halloween period, right before Halloween. It uh, it gets very uh, cold and crisp at night uh, in Georgia. Uh, this time of year, I know I live down there. Uh, it's a beautiful time of the year. The nights are lovely. And Rodney says he was traveling home in his car and he had been visiting his uh, brother uh, at his brother's house. There was, a, you know, some kind of a celebration or a party there. And it was a beautiful night. And uh, he was with his girlfriend in the car. And on the highway, uh, Rodney's girlfriend was looking out the window at the uh, what would it be in October, Paul? Like a harvest moon or something like that? You know, the moon is big in October, uh, you know, in this part of the country or in Georgia or the East Coast, whatever. But there was, uh, the moon was very brilliant. It was one of these cool nights. And uh, his girlfriends, you know, got confused. She said, what the heck is this as they were driving? Because what she thought was maybe like the moon or a planet or something like that, a disc-shaped form. She uh, said to him, there's something following us. So uh, Rodney said, you know, he was driving the car and he he couldn't look at the, you know, at the thing very clearly. But it was late at night and this is very, very clear night, uh, you know, that he he puts in this article rather in this, um, you know, in this statement about driving home again with the moon there. And he he did see the disc shape kind of a thing. He says, no, that's not the moon. I don't know whether it's a satellite or or some type of optical illusion or whatever. But they stopped the car and on the side of the road and they got out. And again, like this was, you know, fairly late at night. There wasn't a lot of traffic or anything else on the road. It was in the country and with rage and, and everything. Well, it's not a country road, but a highway through the country. And um, the, the disc-shaped form that was traveling them, they, they did see it in the sky and it was out there hovering. And out of this disc shape, came a blue orb of light, is what he said. A blue, you know, almost like a like if you see something in Star Trek, like if they shoot like a photon torpedo or something like that, but it moved in slow motion. And he said this mm-hmm. blue orb of light, you know, came out of this disc, but was in slow motion. And they were fascinated. They wanted to see what it was. They weren't scared but on the other hand you know they were kind of feeling apprehensive like what the heck was this what's going on and the orb actually became very visible to them 
in the sky. It wasn't like from a far distance away. And this blue light came down uh, like a plasma. You know, and he says it was about, it looked to him like the size of like a beach ball or a basketball or, as he put, a soccer ball, uh, things like that. It came down as blue over white and it hit the windshield of the car where they were looking. And it, it didn't bounce off the windshield or make a noise or a thud or anything else like that. It was just like melting plastic, but it was ethereal. It was, you know, very, very, very light. And the orb melted over the windshield of the car and kind of disappeared. And, you know, he was stunned kind of with her. And he mentions that he knew it was somewhere around 11 o'clock when this happened because they were listening to the radio or looking at his watch, whatever the hell it was, that he, he realized the time was around 11 o'clock. And the next thing he knows, he's standing out there, you know, with his with his girlfriend outside of the car, and uh, you know the car is not running, and he kind of shakes his head, and they say, well, you know, what the hell was that? You know, it was like it happened a second ago, and they get in the car, and he looks at his watch, and it's two thirty in the morning. Mm. So he's got Slap. this. What did you say, Paul? I was going to say classic missing time. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, anyway, he has this very specific two and a half hours. <clears throat> he says of missing time, you know, and uh, it was just coincidental that he even noticed it because he wasn't aware of it at all. But what he was aware of, was he, he was aware that he had like a pain in his neck. And, uh, yeah, you know, his girlfriend uh, said she had a pain in her neck also. And they thought it was from, like, looking up or something like that or whatever it was. And, they, you know, they just didn't know what happened. But, you know, they didn't know what to make of it. Anyway, they went home and, you know, went their own ways. And he spoke to her, he says, a couple of days later. And uh, she didn't feel well, like you said uh, you know, in your other story about the other person not feeling well. And he didn't feel particularly great. Uh, and, you know, he was itchy in the back of his neck and blah, 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 blah. Uh, his girlfriend didn't say anything unusual, but he just didn't feel good. And he, he felt like he may have hurt his neck. And uh, he went to his doctor. And the doctor, you know, said, well, I don't see anything. And, you know, uh, there's a little scratch that you have there, but that, that could have been from, you know, you scratching the back of your neck or anything. It wasn't, uh, you know. It didn't look like a big thing or, or anything else like that. But he said, but if you're having pain in your neck like that, we can send you over and get an x-ray. And uh, a couple of days later, you know, they scheduled him for an x-ray and he went over and they x-rayed his neck. And uh, they found a, a small piece of metal in his neck. Mm. And... They didn't know what it was. And they said, you know, gee, were you in like an industrial accident or were you around like electronic equipment or something like that? You know, we don't know what this is, but it looks like some kind of a, you know, like a, a piece of a transistor or I don't know what they call, you know, I don't have the thing in front of me anymore that you wrote there. There's a, a, a term for that, an electronic, a resistor. It almost looks like a little resistor or transistor or something like that. But did, did something, were you involved in an accident or some type of mini explosion or something where, you know, maybe 
you know, years ago or something that maybe this was in your neck and all of a sudden was breaking out great. And uh, he claims in his thing, he thinks for that two and a half hours, he thinks he was abducted and he thinks something was implanted in his neck. Stories like that abound in ufology. Could have been. Really? What would the transistor be? Like a marking device or something like that? Yeah, that's what most people think that it's the, the, uh, some of them, they track people with them or even keep, uh, you know, some kind of monitoring their, their bio systems, you know, and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the only thing uh, that uh, Rodney doesn't do is he doesn't give any, uh, you know, follow up on this. And, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, you've been giving dates and everything else like that. Uh, Rodney says that this happened in 2000, uh, 2014. So mm. evidently nothing has been going on between or he hasn't related that anything's been going on between 2014 and five years later. But um I don't know, you know, uh, maybe we should write him back and see if anything has uh, been going on with that. Maybe have him on the show. Yeah, see if you can get him. That would be a, that would be a great show for somebody. Yeah, if he wants to, to uh, talk about it, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, those are the three that I picked out that I thought were the, uh, the strangest ones uh, that I had. Do you have a quick one or any closing thoughts on, on the show or? What do you think? You have one uh, one that you want to close up with? Well, I, I was going to tell a, a quick uh, personal Halloween story that was kind of strange. Sure. And, and this this actually happened when I was in the second grade. It was me and my brother, our, our two cousins, uh, Alan and Jimmy. And I remember I was Superman that year. Remember when they had the box costumes and they they had uh, the Superman costume with the, with the little red mask that went over your eyes? Sure. And, uh, I remember that's what I was that year. I was Superman. And uh, we used to go trick-or-treating. We, we went to, uh, it was my cousin's grandmother, my, my mother's aunt. Her name was Bessie. And we went to Bessie's house in, in Middletown because there was a lot of houses, you know, the lore that you could trick-or-treat back then. And, you know, so we're going around the, you know, the, the neighborhoods, you know, we're trick-or-treating. And, and it was really bizarre because we, we, we walked down this one street. Now, it's, it's Halloween night. It's early. It's not late. Uh, I mean, it's dark, but it's, I mean, what is it, 6, 6.30? I mean, kids used to trick-or-treat till 8, 9 o'clock back, back in those days. Mm-hmm. And uh, we turned down this one street, and it's completely dark. All the houses, all the lights are off. Completely dark. Nobody has any porch lights, no jack-o'-lanterns on the the, uh, the porches or anything. And we see ahead of us uh, somebody dressed like a witch. She's all by herself. And, you know, walking, she would go up to the houses and she would knock, knock on the door, leave, go to another house. It's like she was scratching on the window of one house. Mm-hmm. And watching this person, you know, like, you know, who is that? Why, why would she go to these houses? What is she doing? Sometimes she would just stand in front of the house, you know, and just stand there looking and then turn around and, and walk away. And uh, 
she she happened you know we were talking amongst ourselves and we and then we we kind of looked up you know and we nobody's seen her where, where did the witch go did she did she you know did she give up and we we went probably i don't know two three yards down the road and there in the middle of the road was just a single witch cat laying in the middle of the road like it was there for us to see a witch hat a, the, a witch's hat and yes, this oh witch. yeah and uh we re- you know that was all there was to it we, we reached the end of the road and everybody even uh even my uh, mother and uh my cousin's mother uh patricia were commenting on it that that was kind of weird you know i uh, was that mm-hmm. somebody like trying to do a halloween scare on somebody and left their hat in the middle of the road but you know, she was there one minute, gone the next, and, you know, placing the hat in the middle of the road, but, you know, didn't see hiding, hiding her hair of her. So was she a ghost? Did we wander through the twilight zone down a dead end street? Or, you know, we, it was kind of weird. I would think so, to say the least. I would think so, to say the least. Well, it looks like uh, we're at the witching hour right now. For our, I, we won't have this. I guess is our final show for Halloween. You know, you probably have a couple more on your channel, but uh, for people under the stairs, this this should be it. Any anything else that you'd like to add to this show, Paul? Anything else you'd like to to tell anybody or uh, whatever? I, I think they're great stories tonight. Tonight was a very enjoyable show. It was. I, I I'd like to do more shows like this. They're, they're definitely fun. Yeah, yeah. And and, uh, and the viewers supply all the, you know, the listeners rather supply all the hard work. <laughs> <laughs> all these great stories. Isn't it amazing, folks, the things that happen out there to people? And, uh, you know, uh, they, they report things like, you know, blobs coming down, witches' hats in the beginning of the road buying haunted farm, uh, you know, farms and feeling hands at the base of your thing, weird smells and visions and zombies. My God, the the truth is stranger than fiction, it seems. But, uh, Paul, how can people reach you and, and what do you have going on? Well, they can reach me at nocturnalmagic at gmail.com. They can find me on social media, just put in Paul James Caden or on YouTube, uh, Paul James Caden dash the spirit side. Or maybe that's uh, vice versa. But uh, <laughs> you, know, uh, you can find me on Twitter. If you Google my name, you, you know, all my stuff will pop up. As I say, every episode, I'm, I'm rather easy to find. Uh, I have the episode on extreme haunts on the spirit side of people would like to listen to that. And uh I only have two shows actually coming out this week. Uh, the The final one, the Halloween show, is going to be on Halloween, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be called "What If These Classic Hollywood Monsters Were Real." So that's ah. going to be a show. That's a good show. That's good. Yeah. And if you folks want to reach me, you can catch me on my other show called Just Thinking with Stan Wangler. I put that out uh, five or six days a week. Great show the other day, and all the episodes are there for you on my review, my movie review that I actually saw with Paul and his lovely wife with The Joker. And I think it's a little bit of a different review than you might get uh, on from other folks uh, from a psychologist's perspective. 
And uh, it was um, a very nice. And of course, all the other shows this week, uh, today's show was on being a braggart or the perils <laughs> of that. It's a different kind of a show. And tomorrow's is on uh, the imposter syndrome. So uh, check out Just Thinking. We have uh, things all the way from political things to uh, psychological psychobabble to real things, uh, to artificial intelligence, to all the things that are out there affecting you, me, and everybody in the world. And if you want to catch me, you can uh, you know, catch me at my email address that I gave out earlier in the show, swangland at gmail.com. You can catch me on Facebook at Stanley Wangland or on Twitter at swangland. And uh, even I, you can Google my name and you'll get a whole bunch of things from me, but it's easier to just get in touch with me directly. We had a great time uh, on the show this evening. Have a wonderful and safe Halloween. And uh, I don't know, Paul, do you want to give a special boo out to people or anything Halloweenish? Boo. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody be safe and we'll catch you on the next episode of The People Under the Stairs. Bye bye now. Thank you for listening to this episode of The People Under the Stairs. If you would like to reach out to the host of this show, please feel free to email Paul at nocturnalmagic at gmail.com. That's nocturnalmagic at gmail.com. And if you would like to reach out to Stan, please feel free to go over to his Twitter page and give him a follow at S. Wangland. That's at S-W-A-N-G-L-U-N-D. Or feel free to email him at swangland at gmail.com that's at swangland at gmail.com and please continue to check out all the new episodes of the people under the stairs every wednesday and every sunday on the reality check podcast network did you really think it was just guys that like to discuss and analyze wrestling I'm here to tell you there's a new chick in town. My name is Sunny Salem, and I am the host of That's What She Said. Get a female perspective of all the ins and outs of the wrestling business today. But don't worry, this isn't no prissy princess show. I hold nothing back. Check out That's What She Said on all major streaming platforms. Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us.